Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. It's the post-Thanksgiving, pre-Sunday night football, and late-season edition, Patriots Week, Sunday night football. The Texans are taking them on, and we've got an exciting podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast, presented by Xfinity. This week, we have your starting left guard, Max Sharping, the rookie. I think it's the first rookie we've had on the podcast this year year since the season has started and then we've got Ben Volan our good friend from the Boston Globe talking about the Patriots what is going on with their offense why is their defense so good and uh, what does Tom Brady look like even what everyone is saying his numbers are not as good as they've been in the past what has he been able to accomplish and what does he foresee for Sunday's game that's all coming up but first Xfinity you can take the fastest internet to the house with the Xfinity XFi stream the Texans all season long on every in-home device no matter where you watch this is beyond Wi-Fi this is XFi Xfinity proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of this Deep Slant podcast brought to you by Xfinity. So let's get right into it. We've got Max Sharping, and he's done some good things on the O-line. When the Texans drafted him in the offseason, it seemed like maybe he would get to start later on or once the season got underway. But Bill O'Brien was impressed with him very early on. I sat down with the rookie and asked him what the season has been like for him. Take a listen. Your starting left guard, Max Sharping. And I had all these questions, but I just heard you say over the bye week, you went deer hunting up in Wisconsin. I thought, we have to start there. <laughs> so how was the bye week for you? Was it cold? And how long have you been doing this? Yeah, so I have been hunting for forever, really. Uh, my, my family is a big, uh, big hunting group. I have a, an eight-pointer in, uh, mounted in my room even. So I've been doing it for a long time. And... Uh, just happened to line up with opening weekend in Wisconsin, so I got to go see my family and kind of surprise some of my uncles, so it was cool. I've met some of your family when we were up in Wisconsin for the Green Bay um, Joint Training Camp and the practices. Does everybody go, like mom, dad, everybody, or is it more just like dad and uncles? Uh, so my sister does go. She does. Yeah, like and she was the first female from the family to do so, actually, but... We have a couple more cousins now that, that came up this year, but for the most part, it's mostly uncles, uh, cousins, male cousins, stuff like that. Okay. But it's it's a good time. Is it just deer or anything else? Uh, just deer when we go up, yeah. Okay. Have you done any hunting in Texas? Or you plan on I plan on I plan on going. I, I was invited, and it didn't work out one time with Cullen Gillespie. Um, oh, a great guy to go yeah, hunting exactly. in Texas. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So, so uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll definitely be there. All right, let's talk about your rookie season. How's it going for you so far? I mean, is it about what you expected, adjusting to life in the NFL? What's been the trickiest part? What's surprised you about it? I think it's been uh, fairly good so far. Obviously, never as, uh, never as good as, as, uh, as I think it can be in my own mind. Um, but, you know, playing next to Nick and uh, LT kind of helps you out a lot. You know, those guys are great. Uh, and then having Zach and Mance, uh, you know, kind of help me out with uh, who they've played before, certain moves that guys have, just what to expect from certain defenses. Uh, they've all been a great help. For you, you played tackle at Northern Illinois, correct? And then you come in here and you sort of did a little bit of everything during the offseason and training camp. Was the adjustment to guard a little bit easier than playing tackle in the NFL? Or, or what, I mean, what was that like for you to play a different position on the offensive line? Yeah, so I actually did play guard for one year in college, but that was a long time ago. Okay. Uh, so it, it was a little bit of a transition, but like you said, I, I played a lot of guard during during OTAs, during training camp. So 
it kind of that definitely helped out getting used to playing next to those guys. And then, like I said, when you're when you're playing next to a couple uh, pretty good players like Nick and LT, it, it helps you out a lot. Yeah, you're in between those two. How yeah. much did it help? I mean, LT was not here the entire off season, and then he showed up prior to the start of the season. How much has he helped you? in your growth. Obviously, he wasn't a rookie too long ago, but he's got quite a bit of experience under his belt. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best left tackles in the league. I think anybody can see that just based on, on his film. So anytime you have a guy like that out there, it just kind of helps build your trust. Uh, you know you got good guys next to you, and as long as uh, you don't screw up too bad, they're going to make you look good. You guys all are very calm, I'm, and maybe this is just me interpreting it, but it seems like you guys are very have very calm collected, poised manner about you. Is that the case for the five of you across the line? Or is there some a different side of you that we don't <laughs> see uh, when you guys are not out there? Well, I think uh, Mance is the craziest one, I think. You can see that in his pregame outgoing. speeches. Yes, uh, yes, yes. But no, I think for the most part, we try to take it as it comes, uh, kind of discuss what happens, and just uh, try not to let too much affect you. Um, you know, because as offensive linemen, you have to kind of be ready for anything uh, during a game. You know, you're not going to win every single matchup. There's there's good guys across the ball from you. So as long as you can keep your cool, don't let one play affect the next, then you'll be okay. Yeah, and, and you were here during the offseason, so you obviously heard all the chatter about the, the offensive line and the O-line and how much it needed to improve to keep Deshaun Watson upright. And it seems like just through this first part of the season, you guys had a couple games with a clean pocket for him, no sacks, a few games with just one sack. And I believe you're 4-0 in games where you've allowed two sacks or fewer. So what has been the turning point or what was really the difference in, in getting that chemistry across the, the, the line for all of you? Well, I think that's just it. You just got to play together a little bit more, learn how everybody communicates. And once you build that chemistry, it kind of makes everything a little bit easier because you know what one guy's thinking. Uh, the communication becomes easier uh, between different guys if you've played next to them for a little bit longer. So just just getting reps with each other. It, they, I've heard offensive linemen say that when they've played to a guy for a long time, they don't even really need to speak. They, just a look or a grunt or whatever can just communicate it. Do you feel like you're getting to that level or you're quickly approaching it, or are you already there, you think? I think, uh, you know, obviously you always have to keep working on it. Um, but I think we're, 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 we're working there. Uh, hopefully we'll be there pretty soon. All right, what about the guy behind you, Deshaun Watson, the one that you're protecting for? What's it like being with him in the huddle and, and, and pass protecting for him? I mean, he's amazing. I think everybody can see that. You, the play is never over with him. Uh, and you just you just want to keep him upright, like you said, because he makes special things happen. Uh, so I think, personally, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we take that to heart on the offensive line. We want to keep him upright, make sure he's healthy, and can get the ball to our other playmakers. Is there any – I mean, he's made so many spectacular plays on the field, but has there been any one particular play that's really stood out to you? Are you able to sort of see what he's doing when he's – doing all these magical magician-like moves on the field. Is uh, I think really the one the one that really stands out is that that Raiders game one because I was kind of right in front of him when it was going on. Like he rolled out uh, to his right there and I was kind of like looking at him like this and I just see him like adjust his face mask and then throw it to Fells. It was amazing. Yeah, he's had quite – is that the one where he – Fumbled, picked up the first down, and ran it. Or that was early. Oh, that was a different one. That yeah, different that game. was. I didn't see that one, and I heard about it afterwards. I was like, wait, <laughs> he did what? Yeah, I asked Bill O'Brien about it. He said, yeah, that's exactly how we drew it up. Oh, that's of course. Exactly how we practiced it. Of course. Uh, what about your O-line dinners, um, you guys? I've, you guys are well known for your big dinners <laughs> and eating, eating out. What has that been like for you? Who eats the most? I've, I've gotten a couple of answers. I want to see if uh, um, consistent with it. Who eats the most? 
Uh, I would say, I think uh, Titus goes crazy on the appetizers. Oh. For sure. Okay. He's he's the appetizer king. Okay. But I think overall might be Rick Leonard. Oh, interesting. I've heard Titus's name as well as being quite the eater. I mean, he did put on 100 pounds in college, so yeah. he's got some good practice. For sure, for uh, sure. Going for him. How about playing at Northern Illinois? I mean, how much did that prepare you for sort of the the scheme that you're in here with the Texans? Because you, you did a lot of RPO stuff there, did you not? Yeah, we, we used the quarterback um, a lot, you know, with zone reads and um, stuff like that. So I, I guess I'm pretty used to a mobile quarterback and that helps knowing, you know, the play's never over, like I said, with Deshaun. So I think that, that helped for sure. But uh, when you have guys like this around you, everything's a little bit uh, different uh, once you make the jump to this level. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien, I remember early on, I mean, he does not like to have a lot of praise for rookies, rookies are rookies, but it seemed like he early on sort of recognized what you brought to the table and he talked a lot about your intelligence and your work ethic and the routine that you had and how you came in every single day and that your preparation really helped get you up to speed faster where did where does that work ethic come from for you I have think, you always been like that yeah just uh i don't i don't know um i think probably from my parents they probably instilled it in me and i think i have an older sister so i was always competing with her trying to be better than she was at whatever she was doing. So I think that kind of helped a little competitive streak. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, you know, I, I don't want to let anybody down. And so I just try to get in, do my work and do it to the best of my ability. All right. I asked uh, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly about this. His brother scored a touchdown for the Titans. He's an offensive lineman. And it seems like this is a little bit of a trend, even in the AFC South. Quentin Nelson did it a few weeks ago for the Colts. As offensive linemen, have you guys been rallying a little bit for a touchdown catch of your own? <laughs> I think it's always in the back of our minds. No, uh, not really. A I celebration? Think, prepared, yeah, prepared definitely a celebration case. just in case. Uh, no, but I think, I mean, with the guys we have around us, I think we just want to score as many points as possible. And to be honest, they're a lot better at it than uh, I would be. So. We can we can save save the celebrations and everything for them. Well, I'm rooting for you guys anyway because <laughs> I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. All right, best of luck for the rest of the season, Max. Thanks Thank so you much. very much. A pleasure catching up with the rookie Max Sharping and talks about hunting and uh, how he's going to go with Gillespie. I think if he and Colin Gillespie go hunting in Texas, we need to find a way to shoot that somehow. I don't know how you can take a camera into the woods and go hunting, but I think that would be a pretty hilarious. Uh, skit if we could get that on HoustonTexans.com. Just going to put that into the universe. I don't know if it's going to happen, but two rookies out hunting in Texas would be a lot of fun. All right, uh, let's switch gears and talk about the Patriots. They are here on Sunday night. They've not been here in several years. It seems like the Texans are always, always up at Gillette Stadium, and I'm very happy that we're not traveling for this game, especially a night game. That is a brutal trip, and I just like playing those teams here in front of our fans and I love doing it on primetime television. We sat down with Ben Volan. I gave him a call, actually. I didn't really sit. I was sitting. He was sitting on opposite ends of the phone line. And I always talk to him about the Patriots because he covers them for the Boston Globe. He's there every single day. And while we're seeing and reading the headlines about the Patriots, are they really struggling? Are we really worried about the Patriots? Are they going to switch it to another gear now that the final stretch of the season is here? We asked him all of our burning questions about the Patriots here he is, Ben Volan, on the Deep Slant Podcast, presented by Xfinity. We talk to him every time we play the Patriots, and this is no exception. Welcome in, Ben. How are you? 
Doing well. Excited uh, for another Patriots-Texans game and, and a rarity that this game is actually going to be down there on your turf this week. I think the last four have all been in Foxborough, so we'll see how the Patriots do on the road this time. We definitely enjoy not making that trip up uh, to Foxborough to play up there. Let's start with the Patriots, 10-1, first in the AFC East with the best defense not only they've ever had, but maybe the NFL's ever seen. There's a lot of talk about them not being as good offensively, but what is that feeling like in New England and in that Boston surrounding area about this 2019 Patriots team? Yeah, it feels a little bit uh, like the earlier part of the dynasty when the Patriots went back-to-back in 03 and 04, and uh, they really won those championships on the strength of their defense. And uh, Tom Brady was more of a quote-unquote game manager back then, and I know we realized I know we usually take that as a negative connotation, but uh, Brady really is the greatest game manager in NFL history, just his ability to uh, avoid the negative plays. And I think you're seeing that this year. Uh, The offense is not playing that well, but uh, especially last Sunday night against the Cowboys, the offense didn't make any mistakes in that driving rainstorm. They protected the football. um, They didn't commit many penalties, and they just kind of sat back and waited for for the Cowboys to make mistakes. And that was good enough to pull off the win. Um, they've had three games this year where they've only scored, you know, 17 points, I believe. And, and then they struggled again against the Cowboys the other night. Uh, so they're really winning with defense and field position and special teams. They've, they're only eight block bunts in the NFL all season and the Patriots have three of them. They got another one against the Cowboys the other night. Um, so they're just winning in all three phases uh, and the offense is not, uh, operating at the highest level of, of efficiency that we usually see from them, but, uh, the defense has been lights out, and the special teams has been great, and the offense has been able to do just enough uh, to get them to a 10-1 record. I definitely want to talk to you about the Patriots special teams, but I do remember a few weeks back the Texans were flying back from Baltimore after a loss, and the Patriots had won. They won 17-10 to over the Eagles, and you wouldn't have been able to tell from watching the press conference, especially with Tom Brady up there. The mood after that win, was that maybe the strangest that you had seen, or, or were you really not surprised um, with how they perceived that game, considering it was a win. It, it was interesting. Uh, Bill Belichick came into his press conference and was all smiles and said, what a great win. It, it looks like guys are having fun out there. And, uh, you know, Belichick is the defensive, pretty much the defensive coordinator this year, so that was a fantastic game on that side of the ball, holding the Eagles to 10 points. And even still, you know, the offense obviously didn't play well, but they, you know, they came out and they still – secured a nice seven-point win on the road, beating a you know tricky Eagles team. And Brady just couldn't contain his disappointment. He was just so mopey up on the podium and just couldn't even fake it, couldn't even put on a fake smile and say, hey, at least we got a good team win. Uh, the offense did not play well and has struggled for a lot of the season, as I said. And, and Brady, I think, is upset with uh, some of the weapons or lack thereof that the Patriots have put around him this year. And, and you just wanted to give Tom Brady a hug and just tell him it was going to be okay. <laughs> um, and I think he's done, he, he's made it a point the last week and a half of, of being much more positive and, and trying to uh, look on the, the sunny side of things, or at least not let his negative emotions get the best of him. But he's kind of been sour for a lot of the season. I, I think um, the guy that, uh, you know, he realizes his time is probably running out in the NFL and, for the offense to not be operating at, at top efficiency right now, it's, it's certainly uh, a very frustrating uh, thing for, for Tom Brady. And I think he's frustrated about uh, having Antonio Brown quickly and then having him taken away very quickly. And the Patriots have given Brady some rookie wide receivers and a bunch of new faces. You know, Mohamed Sanu, their number two guy right now, has only been here for about four weeks. 
Um, they didn't really do a whole lot to replace Rob Gronkowski. Uh, the left tackle has been an issue for most of the season. Uh, they, they just got Isaiah Wynn back from, from injured reserve. So I think Brady's just frustrated with all the moving pieces. And when you look at the offense, they, they just look like a unit that hasn't practiced a whole lot together. There's been some sloppiness, um, you know, guys running the wrong routes, two guys in the same area or guys running into each other. Uh, they did a much better job uh, against the Cowboys the other night, but it did seem like the game plan was probably simplified because of the rain. And, yeah, Brady's just, you know, he's waiting for this offensive explosion, and I'm not sure that it's just going to come this year just because of all the moving pieces on offense. It seems like this point every year there's some doubts about the Patriots. Is this the end? Is it over? And it seems like they always seem to turn it around uh, when it matters most. What about Tom Brady himself? 42 years old, year 20 for him. How does he look? Does he look different to you than he does in any other season? Because for him to be able to play at the level that he's played at, I know we've talked about this time and time again, uh, how historic his uh, performance is as a solidifying himself as a Hall of Famer. But what what do you see when you see him out there and how he's actually performing on the field? Sure, sure. I mean, his numbers are down this year across the board. It's, it's one of his, uh, I think it's his worst statistical season since like 2013. And But it's not age. I don't think it's, you know, him falling off a cliff at 42 or, uh, you know, father time finally catching up with him. He still shuffles around the pocket very well. Still has more than enough arm strength to get the ball wherever he needs it to. Um, I just think he's frustrated and really uncomfortable with some of the pieces out there. Um, the offensive line has been tough this year. Uh, before Isaiah Wynn came back last week, they were playing Marshall Newhouse at left tackle, and that's a guy that they had to sign off the street in week two uh, as a free agent and basically just plug him in as their left tackle. He's done admirably as well as you could expect from someone in that position, but obviously you know, he's a backup and he's a journeyman type, and that's the type of blocking they've been getting at left tackle. And, uh, you can see Brady's been flinching a little bit, maybe get, getting rid of the ball a little bit earlier than he needs to at times, bailing on plays before he needs to. Um, he doesn't take many sacks, doesn't have too many negative plays, uh, but does throw the ball away a ton, um, which, you know, is good and bad. Sometimes you'd like to see him keep it going and, and try to make a play out of nothing. And at the same time, it's good that he doesn't take negative plays and, and he knows how to live to see the next play. Um, you know, other than Julian Edelman, he just doesn't have too much faith and, and trust uh, and his receivers, I guess maybe James White as well, uh, the running back. But, um, you know, tight end's been a real issue this year. I think the Patriots have gone from, you know, having maybe the most production out of their tight ends when they had Gronk and, and a few other guys behind him. So now I think they have the least amount of production at tight end uh, in the NFL. Ben Watson has been fine, you know, as a pickup this year. And otherwise, Matt Lacoste has been injured and in and out of the lineup. Same with Ryan Tizzo. And, um, you know, wide receiver has been a big issue. We don't know if Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett uh, are going to return to the lineup this week. So I just think Brady's just uncomfortable with the personnel they surrounded him with. Um, and they've, they've benefited and they've been fortunate that the defense and special teams have given them a lot of great field position, kept the opponents out of the end zone. And so it's kind of masked some of the Patriots' uh, offensive deficiencies. But, you know, it's not to me it's not age with Tom Brady. His body is still fine. It's just the fact that, you know, there's a lot of new pieces, and he doesn't feel very comfortable with them right now. Well, let's switch gears and talk about this defense, because it seems like they have been making headlines week after week. What makes the secondary so good, and and how do they shut down receivers the way they do? I was looking at some of those stats, 20 interceptions, two touchdowns just in the secondary alone. What makes them uh, so good and so tough to beat week after week? 
Well, the strength of the defense definitely is the secondary, and the Patriots are really deep there. Um, Stephon Gilmore is arguably the best cornerback in the game. He, you know, you can put him on an island on, on any number one receiver, and he's been fantastic. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to play Hopkins or if they're going to put him on Fuller. You know, sometimes the Patriots will put their number one corner on the number two receiver and then double the number one guy all game. So we, we might see some of that on Sunday night against Houston. But Gilmore has been phenomenal. Um, uh, underrated guy has been Jonathan Jones, their slot uh, nickel corner, really speedy guy, uh, burned up the track uh, at the combine a few years ago and has been a, a great find for the Patriots. Um, you know, then just the depth there. Jason McCourty, uh, J.C. Jackson, uh, they have three excellent safeties and Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Deron Harmon. A lot of versatility there. You see a lot of rotating. Um, you know, they'll show one coverage before the snap and then they rotate into something else and they're able to, to bait uh, quarterbacks in the back throws. And you can't forget about the front seven, too. You know, it's a little cliche, but, you know, pass defense, it's all 11 guys. And a lot of those interceptions and touchdowns are because their uh, Patriots are bringing some blitz packages or they're disguising the rush really well. Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, uh, they always line up. Uh, a lot of times they line up close to the line of scrimmage. You're not quite sure who's going to be dropping, who's going to be rushing. And so early in the season, the, the Patriots played a lot of, you know, young, inexperienced quarterbacks, and they were able to, to uh, bait them into bad throws or, you know, hit them while they were throwing and uh, force some, some deflected uh, interceptions. So it's really been uh, a team effort uh, from, from the Patriots uh, in, in terms of pass defense. The front seven has been excellent, the sack numbers, the interceptions, and then the secondary. They're just so versatile such a veteran group. It's all the same guys that have played in the last two or three Super Bowls. So, you know, it's just guys that know how to win, know how to stick to their assignments. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to watch this year. This has really uh, been an excellent defense. Really only one team has been able to solve them, and that was Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And there's no shame in that because they're putting up 40 points on everyone this year uh, with such a unique offensive attack. But, but otherwise, the Patriots have really been uh, a dominant defense. And I think uh, you know, if they, if they can continue this for four or five more games, they're going to be right there in the conversation with the 2,000 Ravens uh, and the 85 Bears with some of the best defenses of all time. Yeah, definitely. I definitely can foresee that conversation happening. We mentioned special teams a little bit earlier. I want to ask you about Matthew Slater. He's been with the Patriots for 12 years. He had that blocked punt against Dallas. Um, for a team that really does let guys go in the off season and bring in new guys every year. They seem to hold on to Matthew Slater and really value him. What makes him so valuable to that locker room and to the special teams unit? Yeah, he's been a Pro Bowl caliber punt gunner and, and special teams guy for going on 12 years now. And, you know, Belichick, first of all, is a guy that just puts a lot of emphasis into special teams. Um, they're constantly uh, tinkering and bringing guys in. And, you know, they saw the Ravens release Justin Bethel, another gunner, um, earlier this year, and they pounced all over him. And so they feel like they've got two of the best gunners in the NFL now, in Slater and, and Bethel. And, um, you know, the Patriots, I think, also probably lead the league in guys on their roster that only play special teams. They must have six or seven of those guys that don't really have a role on offense or defense, and they just play special teams. And, and Slater's at the forefront of that. Not only is he a guy who just, you know, he's always going to do the right thing, be in the right place, make a big play. Uh, on punt coverage or kickoff coverage, what have you. Uh, they have him in there for Hail Mary plays as well. Just a, a smart player. But, you know, what a great, like, coach and mentor um, for the special teams unit because, you know, special teams are mostly your backups. It's mostly your younger players, guys, 
who were coming out of college and probably didn't play a whole lot of special teams uh, at other levels just because they were probably defensive starters and the stars of their team. And, and so they're playing new roles. And Slater is a guy, uh, you know, he's 32, 33 years old. His teammates are 21, 22. He's a great mentor for them on special teams, great mentor for them uh, in terms of how to, you know, lead their lives as a professional and how to handle their business on and off the field. Um, so, you know, the Patriots have been thrilled with everything Matthew Slater has given them. And it's that type of leadership uh, that I think has been a big part of why the Patriots have been so successful over the past two decades. All right, good stuff. Looking forward to it. Patriots, Texans, Sunday night, uh, right here at NRG Stadium. Thanks so much, Ben Volan, senior NFL writer for the Boston Globe. Appreciate the time, and we'll see you here on Sunday. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. It will be a fun matchup to watch the Patriots and the Texans. Those are always, always close battles when they've played each other in the past, but now Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller for the first time. And, of course, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Gilmore, or whoever is following him, that'll be a big battle to watch as well. Those guys love to turn it on when the lights are brightest, especially DeAndre Hopkins. We all saw what he did last week against the Colts on Thursday Night Football. So we'd love to see another big game from him. We'd love to see a big game from the Texans. And, of course, you can catch Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon, the pregame show. We've got some big guests because it is Sunday Night Football, so you won't want to miss it. Maybe some Rockets on the show, Houston Rockets, that is. And a very famous comedian who is also a big fan of DeAndre Hopkins will be on the show. So that's all I'm going to say. Check it out on Facebook and social media channels. And uh, check out HoustonTexans.com for all the coverage of the game before, during, and after. That is going to do it for our podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Be sure to subscribe, like, send us a review. Let us know who you'd like me to interview. I'd love to hear your feedback. And that's going to do it for us. So thank you as always for listening. And as always, go Texans.